Ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, goofballs, scumbags, and everything else in between. I believe y'all know what time it is. It is time for the Football Misfits episode 111. I am your host with the most. LB, a.k.a. Paper Bronto, a.k.a. My Rainy Black Bottom, a.k.a. Buck Nasty. And, of course, I am joined by none other than... Whew, he took a week off. He's smelling good, feeling good, looking good, and all that. Mr. Misfits himself, the one and only, the one who gets it done, has gotten it done, and will always get it done. Of course, I'm talking about Ronnie. Ronnie, say what's good for the one time. Thank you, King. How are we doing? Listen, I, I thought I had an understanding with Inyaki Williams that we were going to take off weeks, but this man decided to play football anyway, leaving me in the dust. Stay strong, be brave, everybody. SMH. My man Ronnie made a little Euro trip, fresh out of Turin, nice tan, hit up Inyaki Williams, and Inyaki said, Sorry, bro, I got work. <laughs> I hate that song. Uh, speaking of workhorses, speaking of People who get it done. Speaking of data, oh man, we've got the Spencyclopedia Britannica, the Spencer Povich, Spencer Tino Perez, the man with the sources, the Google, the numbers, and the facts. I'm talking about Spencer. Spencer, say what's good for the one time from the data desk. What's going on, everybody? Peace and love. Peace and love. Now, can you confirm you are in Ibiza at the moment? <laughs> The paella is really good here. <laughs> Look at that. And Spencer, did you get the itemized uh, receipts from Ronnie for his euro trip, or are we still waiting on those? I'm still calculating. It's The bill's pretty high. I don't know how he did it. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. You can't be talking about me, fam. Spencer, whoo! All I'm saying is, guys, let me borrow the car. <laughs> Y'all over here having a blast. Let me get the car, too. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> ah, neither here nor there. Uh, health is wealth, and wealth is health. Amen now, to that, brother, man. Yes, indeed. Now, back to the topic at hand. Uh, forget the this, that, and the third. This is a football podcast, and we're not talking about the NFL. We're talking about the footy across the globe, the one you play with your feet. There was no Premier League football this weekend uh, ah. due to the passing of a certain monarch. Now, however, we won't get into that. This isn't a politics podcast. Like I said, this is a podcast about football. That I don't know if you want to get into that. Oh, only, okay. Only because of the fact that, I don't know, if people are just fucking around or if people genuinely act like the Premier League is the only football league in the world. Like, I was good off La Liga. I'm good off Bundesliga. I don't need Ligon. So... I didn't miss the Premier League, let's say that. Like, yeah, I want to watch City Spurs, but I was good. I was good. I survived. Yeah, if you're Peter Crouch, you might feel a bit differently. He, he was on Twitter going hard. <laughs> hey, man. It is what it is. Once I saw Her Majesty call it a life, I knew the Prem was going to, you know, say, yeah, let's take a break. So, I don't care. I'm good off whatever's on ESPN Plus. Yeah, I, I know mean, the Premier League is your bread and butter, but I'm sure you or I. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Uh, ultimately, there's football to go around, plenty of it. And, and that's uh, the ooh. point. Before all of that, before we even knew that the Queen was about to clock out, the big boys competition was back in full force this week. Phew! It sure was. Uh, back in effect, electrifying, as you will. They're trying to hold the title or keep it from the other league, the Little Boy competition, and the Little Little Boys competition, if you will. The Champions League, ladies and gentlemen. The 2022-2023 season kicked off on Tuesday. Ooh, love to see it. Um, and I got to say, in my opinion, did not disappoint this week. Ronnie, would you not agree? At all. Not at all, fam. It, it was a lot to take in, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Absolutely. What was your favorite UCL match? Let's get into it. See, it's tough, and I mean, I'm, that's why I'm happy to get into it. Um, there were a couple of them that I certainly enjoyed watching for different reasons. Um, I will start with Dinamo Zagreb against Chelsea, or as they're now called, uh, FC London Blue, because they have not been looking like Chelsea for quite some time, and Dinamo Zagreb took advantage of that. The match finished 1-0, but it was just the entire match, the 90 minutes, was basically 
Chelsea's season up to this point, an unraveling of a great club that's been going through a lot over the last nine or so months with the selling off of the club, the you know icing of the funds of Abramovich, the jokes of taking uh, Barclays bikes to Champions League games and things like that. That's how they got to Zagreb during the week. Yeah, I mean, you would have thought it based on the way they played because uh, Zagreb <laughs> were playing uh, literally around them. Uh, it's not like Chelsea didn't have chances, but they just didn't seem like real chances. And uh, Mislav Orsic, somebody who I know very well. Very the London killer. Me and Jose Mourinho are not fond of this man here, but uh, for many reasons, of course, uh, for one specific reason. But he uh, took it to Chelsea and would score a lovely little goal, let it roll into the net slowly but surely, an agonizing goal for the Chelsea defense. Uh, and that would be the only goal of the match in the 13th minute. But like I said, this match had everything and everything that could go wrong for Chelsea did go wrong. And it was just, I guess, the theme for this season. And even this past uh, this past week, which we will get into. So, yeah, uh, Dino Zagreb won Chelsea nil. I really enjoyed that match. Do you want to just get into the aftermath? Oh, yeah. So, I said it, it was... It would uh, be, I guess, uh, some foreshadowing for Chelsea's weekend. It didn't have to take long after that 1-0 defeat to Dinamo Zagreb because uh, Todd Bowley, <laughs> we talked about the Champions League restoring the fill-in. Todd Bowley was trying to restore the fill-in, the Abramovich fill-in, if you will, over at Chelsea Football Club. The fill-in that no manager is safe. You could win the Champions League 18 months ago, but that's on you, fam. What have you done for me lately? And um, with that being said, Chelsea parted ways with one Thomas Tuchel uh, over the past week. He is done and dusted out here. Scott Parker was the first to go. Thomas Tuchel following up very, very quickly. Uh, he's been sacked. And I got to say, a lot of thoughts on this here. Just to start, it was a very early, early sacking. You can't really expect anything different from Chelsea. However, Bingo. with their new with their new ownership group, I think there were some things underlying here that made this decision i guess occur and um the fact that they spent a lot of money over the summer and then going ahead and sacking a manager so early it, on first glance you'd say this is chelsea they do this it is what it is but i think todd Bowley, new man new owner he probably wanted to get a new man uh his man someone that he picked because he seems to be doing everything <laughs> rumors playing rumors saying that he might play stronger for them they're missing one uh he, he's been you know front office he's been recruiting players he's been you know doing everything and so um i believe that he could make this sacking because it's just what chelsea do we're not going to blink an eye at chelsea firing a manager prematurely we've seen it happen time and time and time again and not like it like five years ago i'm saying just you know before Tuchel got here i think he lasted the same amount of time as the guy before him and Frank Lampard. so nobody's going to bat an eye at chelsea doing that and i think Todd Bowley knew that. And so I think that my prediction is that I don't think Chelsea will keep that up, the Abramovich formula. I think this is going to be a changing of the guard. But Tuchel had to be the last piece to fall. He's out of here, and now it's time for a new man. And the, I believe the Todd Bowley regime is now in full effect. They moved on, and they signed Big Graham Potter from uh, Brighton and Hove Albion, who started the season off hot losing a bunch of players, key players, and continuing to play well. Your thoughts on the move for Graham Potter? A good one, a bad one? You know, first things first, you pretty much said it. This is a Chelsea-esque move to sack Thomas Tuchel. It just makes no sense. How does he bring in players, like, the same week he gets fired? That makes no sense. The Yang signing now looks extra funny, don't you think? It's pointless now. Like, I mean, sure, maybe Aubameyang can still help out Chelsea or whatnot, but... Tuchel was low-key the sporting director in his early reign of um, Taboli, but Graham Potter, I don't like the move because I feel like whatever losing run they may have, it's all for this head, and he does not deserve that at all. He's a very good manager. He was around football people at Brighton. I feel like he might be surrounded by think pieces at Chelsea, and I'm hoping for the best, but I'm expecting the worst, unfortunately, because, you know, it's Chelsea Football Club. Yeah, I think uh, I think the Potter signing, in my opinion, um, could very well go bad, like you said, just for the fact that Chelsea is cutthroat and always has been cutthroat. But I think the signings that were made this summer kind of also work for Graham Potter. Obviously, we know Kukurea came from Brighton to Chelsea, uh, but uh, Brighton does do set up under Graham Potter in a in a back three. 
So it's something that he might be used to. He's kind of getting an elevated squad. Um, and if he can make the same magic happen he did with Brighton with that same squad, which is better players, I think he's in for a treat. And the one thing that he's never really had, which is the funny thing here, at Brighton was someone to finish off the product, you know, a striker that would bury the goals. Neil Mope never really got it done. Danny Welbeck started to get it done. He had a lot of goals from midfield and from wing play. I know, Ronnie, you're a fan of McAllister. We've seen Trossard score, score goals and whatnot, but he's never really had a proper striker. Um, and at Chelsea, that was also their big problem. Uh, they never, they haven't had a, a proper striker in quite some time. So I'd be interested to see how Potter kind of deals with that. He's going into a similar system um, and, I guess, an elevated crop of players. But the same problem he's had for years in that he doesn't have a finisher. With now with more pressure, though. Because at Brighton, they weren't really expected to do much and he had time. Now at Chelsea, there's, like we've seen, you could win the Champions League, win a couple other trophies, and then in six months' time, you'd be shown the door very quickly. That's, that's true. But, again, we have to remember that that was made that whole entire theme was created by the Roman Abramovich era and whether or not it'll be kept up by Todd Bowley is the question at hand. And I don't know, like I said, I don't know why, but I have a feeling that he's going to kind of have a longer leash for Graham Potter, a bit more leeway for Graham Potter. Um, it's a statement signing uh, and it's a big step up for Graham Potter. There is a lot of pressure there, but we've seen him do well at Brighton in terms of just kind of even without pieces or losing pieces, putting things together, making a strong side. Um, and I think, I believe he could, he, could kind of, he could kind of do the same thing with his Chelsea team, especially with the pieces that he has for him at his disposal. But of course, we all know with that same thinking, with Chelsea sacking managers left, right, and center, we also know when they do sack a manager during the season, they end up winning a cup. So, I mean, any guesses on what cup they'll win this season? Hopefully none. That I might add that would help uh, Graham Potter's position is, I think, because Bowley is also part of the organization that owns the Dodgers, right? The financial group. They had their coach for going on like six, seven years. Granted, that doesn't really happen in football, but maybe that might be a hint towards giving uh, Potter some time to run and see if he could figure it out. Spencer, with some real data desking and analytics, good point. And we shall see, of course. And to bring it back to the topic at hand, again, the Champions League, uh, Chelsea starting off very slow, very slow. And that set off this entire chain reaction of events. We shall see how Grand Potter fares when the Premier League returns after the international break or during the Champions League coming up to this week to a TV or a seat near you. Ronnie, any matches that stood out to you that you enjoyed or were entertained by? Um... I'm going to mention this match because it was the most boring of the lot up until the 90th minute. And, I know where you're going. And the way the match, and I'm like, of course this match will end the way that it did. Atletico de Madrid versus Porto. Let's just call it what it was. This game was disgustingly boring. <laughs> all the goals came at 90 plus whatever. This the game before, was played in all of three minutes. The match was three minutes long. Basically, and it's garbage time for that. <laughs> Which is the Atletico Madrid formula, if you will. Apparently, it's the Porto formula, too. Now, Medi Taremi was sent off just before this fracas, if you will. And Mario Hermoso got the comeback bid going. Even though it wasn't really a comeback, but they were ready. It was scoreless into the 90th. Hermoso, he scores. I think they only gave how many? How much ad time did they give? Like five, six minutes, and we ended up going to like eleven, twelve. Yeah, I think it was six in total. Right, and I'm like, shit. Um, Mateus Uribe equalizes from the spot, ninety plus six, and then the man who is gonna be the center point of Barcelona's next court appearance, Antoine Griezmann, with the game winner. Damn near 10 minutes after Hermoso scores the game's opening goal. All of this deep in the garbage time. It felt like we were going into, like, extra time. But it was just quintessential Atletico and quintessential Porto in the Champions League. <laughs> you wait until the very last moment possible to make a game of it. And here we are. 2-1. And I thought I spoke about this last week. <laughs> that Griezmann shit is wild, fam. 
oh, it's ridiculous. And then there he goes with another goal, another important goal at that. So it's just funny to see. Barcelona set up the contract the way that for Atleti to bench him and only take him out when they need him to. So why are they mad? Yeah, I think the point is, for me at least, that Atleti, at some point you got to be like, maybe this guy's worth the $40 million we're paying. You know, maybe we should pay this 40 million euro or whatever, but it remains to be seen how they'll they'll do it. At the moment, obviously, he's coming off the bench and, and making an impact. Uh, but yeah, he does it again, and Porto got to be sick because the way those last three minutes finished up, handball, penalty, and then a late goal, yeesh! Champions League at its finest. Um, so Dinamo Zagreb Chelsea was on Tuesday. The Atleti match was on a Wednesday. In between that, a lot ha- uh, happened. Manchester City steamrolled Sevilla. Uh, Benfica whipped on Maccabi Haifa. Salzburg and Milan to a draw. Real Madrid decided to turn the heat up on Celtic after uh, an entire half of play. Real Madrid said, all right, turn up the heat. And that is what they did. It's also worth pointing out that Madrid lost Benzema. Yes, right at the beginning of the match, he went out. And it, I think that was a key factor for them in the first half. Celtic did have chances in the first half to make things interesting. But then we saw a bit of a resurgence from a man known as Eden Hazard, a.k.a. quarter pounder with fries. He uh, he had himself a decent match, who I believe set up an assist and had a, the last goal in the match as well. Yeah, um, he set up with Modric. Yes, and Luka Modric, you know, going to do what he does, just be incredible. Um but ultimately, yeah, it was it was a tale of two halves, as they say. Uh up Eden Hazard a bit. I I that's I really hope it does. Because the man's been injured, the man's been fat, the man has been criticized, the man has been slandered. I mean, but at the end of the day, Chelsea Hazard is what is all Madrid asked for, and I hope he can deliver. Especially now with Benzema being out for a little bit. Yep, and if he continues to get Champions League appearances, then hopefully they'll see some uh, some of that from him. But yeah, uh, basically for Tuesday's matches, I mean, I know Ronnie probably don't want to get into Juventus PSG, although that match ended up being much closer than it started out to be. Uh, yeah, Weston McKinney being the difference for Juventus, but an Mbappe brace early was pretty much all they needed. I'm not surprised. It's not been the ideal start for Juventus. Very questionable, I, I would say. Um, I don't know why the fuck you get rid of Denis Sakaria on loan to Chelsea. That makes no sense. It, it goes back to Pavel Nedved thinking with his dick and not with his brain. Dutty wanting with like five different women instead of, you know, Uh-oh. being a football executive that you're supposed to be. Uh-oh. <laughs> fuck. Um, yeah, fuck. It, it, it was rough to see, especially in the first uh, Mbappe's brace came in under 20 minutes, and it seemed like in those 20 minutes it was going to be it could have been four nil. Not saying that Juventus UA didn't have chances on the other end, but PSG looked like they were going to score whenever they um, you know approached the final third, and Mbappe did get those two early goals. It could have been a lot uglier than it finished, and I think that's at least a positive takeaway. I'm just looking for positives here because in the second half PSG did look a bit slower. That Weston McKinney goal. Uh, did bring Juve back and put a bit of pressure on PSG. And PSG, for the firepower that they have, when we know this, they kind of slow it down uh, in the second half or late on in matches. And that could be a space for teams to pounce, especially in the reverse fixture here and in the remainder of matches in the Champions League. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, uh, Matt Allegri has Juventus looking confusing right now, to say the least. Hey, man, I'm confused as well, man. Southern Italian today, man, was different, man. Yeesh. That's Juve's fourth draw of the season. Yeah, I think we're good on Tuesday. Let's jump on to Vin's day. Bayern Munich, Inter Milan. Probably one of the more high-profile matches in the Champions League uh, this season. That group stage match and that group in general is going to make for a lot of great matches. Uh, Bayern Munich didn't really make it make it much fun. Inter Milan never really showed up. Tune of the final score there. I mean, if we're talking about that group, Barcelona 5-1 over Victoria Plitzen, Robert Lewandowski with a hat-trick, his first in Blaugrana. Facts. Uh, I saw something on the internet saying Holland scored the brace in the Champions League, this, that, and the third. Uh, Mbappe scored the brace in the Champions League. I'll do you one better, young folks. Let me give you a hat-trick. And I think if I saw the meme correctly, he scored a hat-trick 
for each of the clubs he represented in Champions League: Dortmund, Bayern, and Al Barca. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Underrated man, Robert Lewandowski. Which is crazy to say. I still find people don't rate him like that. It's it's wild. But could he do it in the Prem though? Fuck the Prem. It's Robert Lewandowski, okay? Damn. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. <laughs> and hey man, that's exactly what Napoli said on Wednesday. <laughs> Good transition. For that, we move to our Liverpool correspondent Spencer. Hell of a match on Wednesday, would you agree? Just pain. <laughs> just a lot of Sorry. pain. They're just not good at the moment. They just lose. I'm going to mute myself now. <laughs> yeah, the consolation for Liverpool was Luis Diaz getting on the score sheet again, but had nothing on Peter Zelensky. Yeah, some consolation. <laughs> that was not a great consolation. I mean, yeah, Luis Diaz played well, but just they're not putting together the performances. The defense is like cheese, like Swiss cheese. Like it's... They're just having a rough time. They can't seem to put it together. Mo Salah seems to play further out wide every game. It's just rough right now. They're they're having a rough go. There's ebbs and flows in football, and right now we're just having a rough patch. But I think they'll they'll come good. They'll get it together. But man, it's rough. Man, it's rough. I think this might have been probably the worst performance under a Klopp coach, Liverpool. Ooh, that's tough. Worst performance under Klopp. Right, just because they they looked. They looked out of sorts. They looked like they didn't. I don't want to say they weren't prepared or they weren't ready, but it just didn't look great. It didn't look like the the energy was there. They just look like exhausted, and the season just started. You would expect uh, this Liverpool squad, to, you know, be up for the challenge, but it's just you know they're not finding the rhythm. And you can say whatever you want. Sadio Mane departing. Uh, the injuries which they've had, but then again, in this same Napoli game, you've had guys like Thiago and Diogo Jota return to the Liverpool fold, and I guess they just were not prepared for this bit. Henderson, I believe, is hurt, right? Yeah, Henderson's out with an injury. I think it's his hamstring. And Darwin Nunez, the meme is he's on anger issues. It's not the ideal start Liverpool would have wanted for this season, and I do agree... And I do agree that they can turn it around, and they will turn it around. But, you know, you got to go through these hardships. Otherwise, that seven-season curse um, that Jurgen Klopp has might be a for real one. Oh, and for the record, um, Munster cheese on a chopped cheese is amazing. Not that you brought up cheese, but, you know, neither here nor there. Boom, pal. I'm going to offer just a tiny bit of pushback. I'm not going to say it's Klopp's worst performance under Liverpool. Maybe Klopp's worst performance under this Liverpool team because when he first got to the Prem, it was ugly. (laughs) Let's be real. Well, well, we could say it was his worst Champions League performance with Liverpool. Fair. That's fair. Yep. As long as we dial it in. Yes, sir, because that's a wide net of matches. He's been there seven years. Uh, And he did say after the match, unlike Thomas Tuchel, he said, and I quote, I'm not fearing the sack. He did say that. <laughs> so <laughs> big, up to, big up to Klopp, a little confident. Not afraid of the sack. Not at all. <laughs> um, it's so. also the talent, though. Because when he first got there, those players don't compare to the players that are there now. And like you've seen. Right, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. But that's what I'm saying, though. Like, you know, it, it was different. And so I guess under yeah. this Liverpool team, this Klopp machine, when it's fully built or was fully built, but... Yeah, that, that's all I'm saying. Because it was there were some results back then that we're not we're not uh pretty on the eye. Anywho, um, yeah, Liverpool. But looking, let's talk about uh, Napoli real quick. I feel like I might need to yeah. walk back what I said earlier because Napoli now at least in terms of the Champions League because Napoli they, okay. they look really good. They look good in the league too. I still want to hold on to what I said in the league, but right here in the Champions League, and it all goes back to their busy summer. They've had an incredible summer. I don't want to rehash all the players that they've signed. Did you see what signed? he said, by the way, after that match against Liverpool, Simeone? I, I, yeah, I think I peeped. Uh, but tell the people. Oh, it was, it was absolutely lovely. It was really heartfelt. And there was a lot of that this week in the Champions League. Really beautiful stuff. He says, the day I play and get my first goal in it, quote-unquote Champions League, I'm going to kiss the tattoo. I guess he has a Champions League tattoo. He said this when he was 13. 13 years old. And what a way to do that, to be able to play, 
score and win in a match like that in his Champions League debut. Beautiful stuff. I've said this. This guy is very good. Now we're seeing how good he really can be. I, I hope all the best for the man. He just asked to how good of a team Napoli could be. Zelinski, um, Raspadori. I want you to give a get a crack at number seventy-seven on Napoli. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> God damn. <laughs> my man, Kvitch crack from what scale? My boy from Tbilisi, Georgia. Jeez. You got 17 syllables in that name. Bless you, son. You already know what time it is. We call him KK. KK. Hey, man, because the way he's been playing for Napoli, we might have to say that name more often. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. But Napoli absolutely flying out of the gates, though. Uh, Victor Osiman with that one chance, uh, beating Allison to the ball, barely, barely hitting the outside of the post. Napoli was absolutely on their game, and you have to give them credit. Liverpool, as we know, have been struggling. And this is why the Champions League is a great test to show who's on the ball and who's not. Albeit it is the group stage, many things can yet happen, of course. But a 4-1 win against Liverpool. Karavskelia. Yeesh. That's that stuff right there. But uh, And finally... And Pasta Koglu. Just wanted to say that, Celtic manager. Um, (laughs) uh, (laughs) We can't finish this Champions League bit without talking about your Tottenham. Yeah, Tottenham back in the Champions League for the first time since 2020. Um, at home, a match against Marseille, the one team in the group that I was like, ooh, this could be trouble. Uh, now, the match in itself was mostly Marseille in the first half. Spurs did lack that, uh, that counterattacking flair, that finishing product, and Marseille weren't unable to take advantage of that. They were, however, able to get a red card um, courtesy of uh, Chancel Mbemba Mangulu. Ooh, look at that. I think I said that wrong. Um, with a tackle on Sun as he was on a break. It was him, the goalkeeper, and Mangulu. And my man decided to swipe him at his feet. Sun beats him to the ball. Goal scoring opportunity. Ref says, let me pull out the red card. He drops the red card. Emerson Royale says, don't worry, fam. I'll pick it up. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> Deliver the red card. Delivery he did, Marseille a man down, and the second half Spurs did turn it on. Uh, Dejan Kulusevski would make an appearance in uh, the second half off of the bench, and he would create an instant impact as well. Richarlison, a man of the moment, though, in his Champions League debut, would score not one header, but two. A brace in his debut, beautiful sights, and the match would finish 2-0. Spurs would get their three points. A lovely way to win a match that they didn't necessarily play the best in. They did seem to control the second half when uh, Marseille were a man down, but that was basically it. I mean, Marseille looked uh, the better team on the night with the, with the first 11. But Spurs, I mean, the biggest takeaway for me is the, the impact that they can have off of the bench. When you can bring on somebody of Kulisowski's quality off the bench in the 60th minute, that's scary. And then also, Ivan Perisic, I said it before, I said it again, 33 years old, he's a cold-blooded killer. He does it all. He does everything. And uh, he provided an assist. And Spurs would get the win, as I said. Richarlison, uh, it's hard not to love that guy when he's on your team. Oh, okay, okay, because, you know, Spencer is not too fond of him, nor are the people at Nottingham Forest. Yeah, that's on them. <laughs> Richarlison, the guy that got a yellow for celebrating goal that didn't count, that one? Oh, yeah, the same guy who scored a brace in the Champions League. And <laughs> the same guy, yes, that one. Uh, Richard Arlison, the bus driver, three points for Spurs, the pigeon, as they call him, interestingly enough. Spurs win. Antonio Conte is happy. It is, it is what it is. That's what do it for Champions League this week, unless you guys want to talk about the heavily contested Club Bruges versus Leverkusen match. Yes. Only want to mention the fact that a per a stat that I saw on CBS, CBS, Bayer Leverkusen have lost every Champions League opener they've been in since 2001. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hard to believe they were in a final in 2003. Right? It seems like forever ago, that Champions League final. Probably because it was forever ago. It, yeah, I was going to say, it literally was forever ago. <laughs> I was eight, fam. <laughs> <laughs> but that Champions League final, though, that was probably peak Bayer Leverkusen, when you think about yeah. it. Give me that Michael Balak. Yeah, Leverkusen, I mean, with that stat, it's tough. But the way they're playing this season, 
not hard to imagine because they are caca. And Club Brewers will take advantage of that. Much like everybody else that's playing Leverkusen at the moment is doing, they're going to have to pick it up not only domestically but also in Europe because they could, it could get ugly and it has already kind of gotten ugly for them. And that would do it there. Just so much left to play for, so much to see. And, and you got to love it. That is why the Champions League is what it is. Should we move on to the Europa League very quickly before the weekend? Ronaldo made his debut. Ronaldo did make his debut. That's the Ronaldo business. <laughs> it's hard to fathom, isn't it? Oh, man, it just looked weird. He did get his start, as would Harry Maguire. They would both make a re- reappearance in the starting lineup. That, uh, I believe the match seemed to be overshadowed by the fact that the Queen passed. Is that why they lost? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say that's why they lost, but I will say that um, Man United, they do lack, like a lot of teams in the Premier League, I don't want to say a lot of teams, but certain teams in the Premier League, and we know this is the key part when you play in Europe, depth is everything. Eric Tenag has seemed to figure out the first 11 that works for him. Everything else, however, it's a bit of a struggle. Uh, when you got to bring on Victor Lindelof and Eric Maguire to start a match, that sounds like a problem in itself. Casemiro would get his first start, however, obviously in the competition that he's used to. <laughs> he's very much used to this one. But, um, yeah, I think Eric Tenhag got some work to do with the depth portion. It's going to be a journey for him because this side was unable to pull off much but when you have Fred as the lone uh, number 10, right behind Christian Eriksen, or right in front of Christian Eriksen, I don't know what's going on. It was a struggle, and you got to give credit to Real Sociedad. Did they bang, got the goal, and that'll be the score, 1-0. Arsenal Zerg was unique in the fact that we mentioned the Queen. She passed Ronaldo a halftime of this match. They do the moment of silence before the start of the second half. I don't think I've ever seen that. Marquinhos scored the first goal before the Queen passed. And then Eddie Nketiah has got the first goal center passing. Oh, shit. So you're saying uh, B, Q, and then A, Q? Is that what we're doing? <laughs> Never. Hey, man, I don't know. Uh, make of it what you will, but Arsenal got the win in Zurich. The young boys would uh, help each other out, if you will. Help me, help you, and that's exactly what they did. Arsenal with the three points against the team. You would assume they should beat. Elsewhere, uh, Ludogorets beat Roma. Boom, pow. Roma saying teams that we should be beating, uh, we won't beat. Uh, are they new? Are they the new Bodo Glimp? <laughs> at the moment, yes. <laughs> um, and so Roma going to have to deal with that. But if it's anything like uh, we've seen in the past season, if Ludogorets is in fact Bodo Glimp, they'll beat them a couple more times, only to lose to them in the quarter or semifinals. Lazio 4, Feyenoord 2 was another standout fixture. Freiburg got their first ever European dub, 2-1 over Karabakh. Uh, Ferenc Varos, Trabanspor was actually an interesting match. Big up to our homie Pence. Hey! He's the ticket holder. <laughs> the only reason I paid attention to that, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I respect it highly. Uh, but an interesting match, nonetheless, a red card for Ferenc Varos. They would get three goals. That would be enough to see them over Trabanspor. The that final was an early three, red two. card, too. Oh, yeah, got, they got that thing in the 16th minute. They started the match on smoke, if you will. <laughs> Um, and Adama Traore, no relation, would score the the opener uh, before Maximiliano Gomez Gonzalez would equalize for Travis score, and then just goes back and forth. Finally, three two would be the final score. That said, France Barros would get their uh, three points to start the campaign. Big up, big up Benza. I can't say big up France Barros, but big up Benza. At least I could say big up Benza Barros. Sure, why not? Um, wow. <laughs> I only want to bring up Nantes beating Olympiacos because Marcelo didn't play in this match, but Marcelo was recently introduced by Olympiacos. What a pickup is that? It could be a good one. I'm sure best case scenario he has is Danny Alves type resurgence. Worst case scenario, you know, he continues to grow his hair out. <laughs> but on this note, as we transition from the European weekend, and now that we're talking about transfers, um, Galatasaray. I don't know if y'all been paying attention, but Galatasaray has bulked the fuck up, getting guys like Lucas Torreira, Dries Mertens. Paul Mata is old as shit, but he's still very much a good piece, if you will, for Galatasaray team that were pretty much shit last year. Um, Sergio Oliveira made the move from Porto. Recently, Mauro Icardi was announced, leaving PSG on a loan. Um, what's the name of the Kosovo player from Norwich? Um, but I forget his name, but him. He also made the move. I, I saw uh, 
so a post about that. So yeah, Galatasaray has been blowing the fuck up the Turkish transfer market. Oh yeah, they're they're competing with Besiktas signing players. Obviously, we know Wout uh, Weghorst is over there uh, as well. George Kevin and Kudu and uh, Dele Ali. So they're like, what's it's the Washed Olympics? The Washed Olympics. Damn, these merchants. Minus Weghorst. Minus Be- minus Weghorst. I think he's still got it in him. I don't know where he's going or what he what his plan is. He needs to speak with an agent. I mean, Jiz Mertens is 35. I don't know if that constitutes wash. Mario Cardi's in the mud. I, oh, yeah, I feel like that's Wanda, you know, you cheating on me, I'm going to send you to Turkey. And boom, pow, here we are. But, yeah, Galatasaray, I really just wanted to mention that because I guess you could call it what you called it, the washed Olympics, but it's, Galatasaray in particular, I was just, they, those moves caught my eye, and the Turkish transfer window recently closed, like, within the past couple of days, so. Was that was that Fenerbahce or Besiktas or Galatasaray that was going for Cristiano, allegedly? I do not know. I think it was a club in Saudi Arabia. Damn. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> and Spencer from the data desk uh, has the uh, player from Norwich, uh, Milo Rashika, the right winger. Is that oh, yeah, Ronnie? He was a player who made the move to Galatasaray. He he joined Norwich from Werder Bremen after Werder Bremen got relegated. So, yeah, him. All the while, by the way, Fenerbahce ain't do shit. <laughs> All they really got was Michi Batshuayi, and that's it. That's my bit for Turkish football now. Um, Shops hey. and sport, they're not going to repeat, but if they do, hey. Um, where do you want to take this from here? You can't go to the Premier League, so where do you want to go? Well, the Premier League is on a period of mourning, and there was football all about. Uh, for me in particular, I enjoyed some Bundesliga fixtures on Saturday. Uh, we had some things banging, if you will. Uh, if you weren't watching Hoffenheim cook mine, <laughs> 4-1 final score, by the way. Phew! Um, I think the big one on the weekend was Leipzig VVB. And boy, did RB Leipzig play the smackdown, if you will. 3-0 the final score. Willy Orban scoring, Dominic Soboslav with a screamer outside the box, curving left, right, up, down, any which way before it went in the back of the net. And then Amadou Haidar in the 84th, just to finish off BVB, cooked them, absolutely cooked them. Uh, that would drop BVB down to fourth on the, or fifth on the weekend. Uh, and Leipzig still way down in tenth, but a big win. A big good, a good start and a good win for them there. That um, win was a lot more poignant because it came off the heels of the sacking of Domenico Tedesco after they got washed by Shakhtar in the Champions League. They replaced him with Marco Rosa and his first match against his former club. Yeah, I'm going to do y'all dirty and do them dirty they did. Marco Rosa getting his first win against his former club. That's revenge, baby. Um, and meanwhile, while that was going on, Bayern Munich would uh, battle to their third consecutive draw uh, against VFB Stuttgart. Yeesh. Bayern slip and slide and not score enough goals. I will say credit to Jamal Musial, however. Hell of a goal to um, tie things up after they went down 2-1. Bayern, what is going on? It was a very good game for Musiala. He can't do no wrong. One of the best young players in the world right now, I think. Now, the match I was focused on in the Bundesliga, and turned out to be a really good one. Hertha Berlin and Bayer Leverkusen, the club that LV has quoted saying can't buy a win. After Leverkusen goes up with Demi Bayer's goal, Hertha equalizes, and then Marco Richter off the bench takes the lead, and shortly thereafter, Patrick Schick rescues the point. It was not an easy day at the office in the German capital, but we, we've talked about this many a time. Bayer Leverkusen, what is with these guys? They I hope they turn around. Lost in the sauce. I also hope they turn around. They have a talented crop of players, but nothing is clicking right now. And if it continues to go this bad, uh, listen, man, I mean, I can't speak uh, for what will happen, but I mean, I know what, I know what a hot seat looks like when I see one. <laughs> and Leverkusen are not making it easy on their managers. And it may not even be his fault. It also might be his fault, but they have been not able to just even close out a match, if you will, uh, whether, they, whether they're up early, uh, they've conceded late. They've just done it all wrong um, and against the opponents they should beat. However, Ertha Berlin is a tough task in, uh, this season especially. But despite Patrick Schick scoring, but despite Demer by scoring, 
Um, despite you know their lineup looking almost as good as it looked last last season, uh, Calabas and Adoy would also a start in this match, uh, which is another attacking piece added. But man, they they are struggling, and phew, it's hot out here. Hot out here for Leverkusen, and yeah, man, it's ugly. <laughs> Outside of that, uh, Schalke getting a win to go over Bochum. That's the uh, relegation dogfight, if you will, waiting to happen. Schalke getting the better of uh, Bochum there. 3-1 the final. If it weren't for Bochum, Leverkusen would be dead last in the Bundesliga. But the way Bochum just shits themselves, Bayer Leverkusen are lucky. <laughs> Absolutely. And then Freiburg, Mushroom, Gladbach will battle to a draw. Entertaining one. An entertaining yes. sports draw, though. And sometimes you get the nil-nil draw that is almost better than watching a 3-2 match. And Freiburg, you know, after finishing the week last week, top of the table, they would not be able to recreate that uh, as Mission Gladbach and Freiburg would battle to that nil-nil draw, allowing Union Berlin with a win over FC Köln to take the top spots in this week's Bundesliga. The hope is they stay there, but I know they won't. I would probably have to hard agree with that. Where would you like to move to next, Ronnie? La Liga, sure, why not? There was a couple matches for me that were interesting. The first one, Atletico madrid Celta Vigo. This match became more entertaining the more it went on. Uh, Angel Correa would open the scoring for Atleti, and they would make it 2-0 in the 50th, 3-0 in the 66th, and then right before uh, Celta Vigo would be like, let me just get one back. And it's interesting watching Atleti score a bunch of goals. Celta Vigo, however, I mean, obviously not the roughest and toughest of competition, but Atleti scoring goals is something you don't get to see often. And so when you watch them do that, it's interesting enough. Uh, they would get a final goal, and it would be an own goal in the 82nd minute. Um, 4-1 the final score. Atleti putting the beat on Celta Vigo. And guess what? Nary a Griezmann in sight. He had his ass on the bench. He came on for the wee minutes that he did play. And, uh, you know, it seems that they're sticking strong with that philosophy. We're going to give you a couple minutes here, a couple minutes there, and that's about that. Again, Barcelona cannot be mad at anyone but themselves. Elsewhere, speaking of Barcelona, they would uh, take on Cadiz, another team who wasn't the roughest and the toughest, and everybody and their mama would score. Lewandowski would get another goal. Uh, Frankie Dion getting on the scoreless. Ansu Fati. Love to see him score. And then Usman Dembele to make that 4-0 for Barcelona. Barca have been walking all over opponents. They now move up to second place behind, you guessed it, the defending champion, Real Madrid, who did a similar thing to Mallorca uh, today, day of recording. And I know we're all hyped for the, uh, you know, the heavily anticipated match between Almeria and uh, Osasuna. <laughs> hey, man. Never know. So yeah, Ligon. If you want. Only want to bring up Ligon because of the one match that was in our predictions cup, Lille and Marseille. Alexis Sanchez did score on the weekend, so that's a big shout. And if I'm seeing this correctly, Matteo Guinduzzi is the captain of Marseille. I mean, he's got charisma. He's got hot head energy. You got that too. Do you want to get into that time now? Let's get into that. Nobody is doing like what some journalists do when they write bullshit. You are afraid to say it, but it's all bullshit stories. What is it? Most of the times, it's uh, it's bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's a yearly trend now where we talk about... um, Poor Puma kids, and this happened the week I wasn't here, but it's retroactive and we have to discuss the new line of Puma kids for the World Cup. I've also seen these kids, I believe I saw Uruguay, everything in the middle, in the stomach area. Not good for a chubby guy like me, you're just kind of putting 
the clips on the belly button there. Yeah, I can't do that, fam. When you look at the Swiss version, it looks like a Hello, My Name Is sticker in like Jumbo. Hello, my name is Switzerland. <laughs> <laughs> the Ghana one is red. The number is yellow. And like a little flag detail in a box just above the number. Now, what's in fairness, the only one that looks good is Morocco's. The badge is in the center chest. The number is right below it. And then whatever designs in the middle is a bit, you know, faded out. That one looks pretty good. The rest are just abysmal. Um, yeah, don't know what else to say. Uruguay is a part of it. Senegal, Serbia, to the point where I think Puma changed their whole badge. But neither here nor there. It's just yuck, yuck. What's worse, this one or what they dropped for the Champions League teams last year, like BVB and City and Marseille? Uh, the Champions League ones were definitely worse. These ones, I'll be honest, I won't say they're terrible. Not terrible. Those ones look like uh, they procrastinated and then did the assignment after pulling an all-nighter and was like, this don't look so bad. That was Microsoft Paint. I don't know, man. It's They're not getting my vote of confidence. That's why they get beat for the week. Are AC Milan Puma this season as well, or are they beating? They are Puma this season. We already spoke about those, those, <laughs> those whatever you want to call it, kids, green and yellow and brown, which Gully yeah. says he likes. Hey, 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 I cannot co-sign that man's taste. <laughs> I can't support that, fam. You're my guy, but I can't support that. <laughs> so Puma has had a track record, if you will, over the last season and a half, dropping some hot garbage, right? Puma, get it together. Get it together, fam. Um, did any goalkeepers wear a cap this week? I didn't see any cap wearing goalkeepers. However, I do have a BS of the week regarding the Premier League and its whole work permit situation. Uh, Diego Costa, as you guys know, uh, was linked with Wolves after the transfer window finished. Um, and they were trying to pick him up on a one-year deal. However, it's dragged on for literally four days because his work permit was not approved initially because it did not meet the new Brexit points criteria. Fam, what does that even mean? A man's here to play some footy. He was in Brazil, and now he's back. Wolves could use him, and I wonder if he'll still put in the work. We know an informed Diego Costa is a scary Diego Costa, and uh, we know Premier League referees are preparing their uh, red card pocket pullout, if you will, routine, because he's good at getting those as well. But the entire work permit situation, it seems just harder than it needs to be. Uh, ultimately, this does have a happy ending. He was able to uh, get a new permit, which ultimately was approved, and Wolves uh, booked him for his medical, which he has since passed. He's now a player for Wolves on a one-year deal. BS the week, all this work permit stuff, you're making this much way harder than it needs to be. No, I'm not surprised, though, because it's Brexit. I feel like, how often do we not hear about stories of players not being able to transfer into England because of Brexit criteria? A hundred times, and it's so it's so dumb. Like, why are we making this league which you want to be more popping, you want it to be more marketable, yada, 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 this and the third, and then also in the same breath, make it, try to make it exclusive, uh, if you will. This isn't the problem, um, I think. I think it's on Brexit. Right. Well, I, it's on, so really, it's on English. It's on this, not entirely, at least. It's really on England, if you will. The whole Great Britain of the... They should have never pulled out of of the um, European Union. Boom. That's simple. As a staff record it, but yes, as a staff record label and, and, and MFing crew, uh, get it together, y'all. Uh, now again, this is not a politics podcast, but you can hold the BS of the week for free. And there you go, three ninety nine. And lastly, I'm giving it to El Chicharito. LA Galaxy, Sporting Kansas City. Uh, the match is 2-2. I think both scores were scored by Javier Hernandez. They're awarded a penalty LA Galaxy. Late moment of the game. They need a win. I'm to get an improved playoff position because LA Galaxy have been pretty good bar, if we're being honest. He tries a Penenka. Falls straight into the arms of the Sporting Kansas City goalkeeper. If we gave it to Adam Lookman a few years back, we gave it to Chicharito. The fuck is he doing, fam? 
Ah, the old failed Penenka BS of the week. Joining, as you said, Adam Lukman and Sergio Ramos. Mm, very true. Sergio Ramos did have the double Penenka. <laughs> the double <laughs> Penenka. <laughs> Incredible <laughs> stuff. Uh, but yes, Chicharito, join the club, fam. <laughs> Looking stupid. There's going to be moments like that, that the Mexican manager, Tata Martino, is going to be like, yeah, I don't want him on the World Cup team. Fuck that. <laughs> Just giving him more fuel to the fire, but I'm done here. Boom, pow. Uh, Spencer, any shout outs? Nah, not this week. Don't worry, I got you covered. Oh, wait, I no, no, I got one. I got one. Ooh. Fede Valverde had this amazing run and a Pushkis level like goal was amazing today, like a 30, 40 yard run cuts in and then whips this ball in on his left foot upper 90 bins shout out to Fede Valverde when Liverpool ain't doing well Madrid propaganda will pop up when a shout out is a shout out gotta respect it I have one as well that's crazy uh, shout out to Liverpool <laughs> but they didn't play this week much needed break if you will right there you go yeah my, so my shout out is to uh, the boy Richarlison Champions League debut a brace and at the end of the match, a very uh, wholesome embrace with his father. Uh, kids started crying, and it was lovely to see that passion, that emotion. He said in his first interview with Spurs that once he played the Champions League match, he said, I might cry, who knows? And cry he did. Luckily, this time is after scoring two goals. Really wholesome stuff. Uh, you love to see it. The emotion, the passion, the Champions League. Uh, so, yeah. Almost yeah, I saw Richarla mom, Richarla dad, uh, crying with Richarla's son. Uh, they tried that already with Hillman's son. That could have been racist. So could this. Who knows? Funny nonetheless. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. And before I uh, walk the line any further, Ronnie, do you want to go ahead and sign the boys off? Let's do it. Thank you all for listening to episode 111 of the Football Misfits podcast. Thank you all for interacting with us for supporting us in any which way you can. Episode 112 is right around the corner. For the frontal paper LV and for Spencer the Scouser, I go by the name of Ronnie. We will see you then. Stay strong, be brave, have the off, everybody. Bye.